and welcome to AFL by Dummies, and this is The Weekend That Was. Sydney's final chances perished at the hands of Essendon, who are improving their own reputation on merit. <laughs> Matt Scharenberg's ACL injury was a perfect replication of Collingwood's season, very promising improvement interrupted by a season-ending injury. The Tomahawk did a pretty good impression of the dentist that killed Cecil the Lion in Geelong's win over <laughs> Brisbane. There was a big, big sound in the west of the town. It was the sound of St Kilda fans groaning over and over again in their wasteful loss to the Giants. Melbourne knocked Adelaide out of finals contention, ensuring every footy fan spent all of Monday morning redoing their ladder predictions. North Melbourne upset West Coast with young player Paul (coughs) putting in an impressive (laughs) performance. Port Adelaide brave cold conditions and more significantly Ballarat in their win over the Dogs. And Hawthorne made a statement in their win over Fremantle, that statement being T Mitchell, three votes. Another game, another three votes for Mitchell. Uh, he's getting a lot, isn't he? And I'm pretty confident I'm going to get an egg on my head at the end of the year now, unfortunately. And, and a very impressive performance by Paul O'Hearn in that game against West Coast on the weekend. Yeah, it was. But one little question. I only counted eight games there. Yeah, there was only eight games this weekend. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. What was your highlight of the week? I went to Richmond Collingwood on the weekend and it was just a fantastic game for a Tigers fan. Probably not as much for Collingwood, but I mean, Collingwood's got nothing to lose out of the game. I mean, they were hit by injury and they hung around with Richmond, which is what the best sides can only really do at the MCG at the moment. But it was a great game to watch. Lots of highlights. It's it's what footy should be, that game. Both teams were really hard at it all day. Pressure was up. I mean, there was pretty good skills as well, despite the pressure. I had a great time at the game, and there was 88,000 people there. Wouldn't get the half that many to a St Kilda game. <laughs> I've been to a St Kilda game. I went to the St Kilda-Melbourne game earlier this season, where the crowd was 15,000. <laughs> <laughs> and how much... Oh, how Sorry, how many of those supporters were Melbourne supporters? Most. <laughs> Most of them. Oh, well. Interesting you say that the the game's what the footy should be because we'll be having a little bit of a chat later on about some proposed rules changes and what we think footy actually should be. Yeah, we're actually just going to get a round ball now and we're going <laughs> to kick it with our feet, no hands. That's what football should be, right? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, let's get off the mark with um, a little <laughs> bit of a joke this week. I'm starting off this week and I've been thinking a lot about Tom Lynch. As I always do, the man's a very attractive fellow, but more importantly about his football playing future. Now... Tom could stay at the Gold Coast or he could move back to Melbourne. And I thought, you know what? Tom needs more people to have an opinion on this and tell him what he should be doing with his life. (laughs) So I've decided to write a pros and cons list of whether or not Tom should stay at the Gold Coast. Now, will have you heard most of these points before? No. This is all entirely new and I'm sure nobody has ever brought this up before. So AFL by Dom is exclusive right here, right now. Absolutely. So the first pro I think is a nice one. If he stays on the Gold Coast, then he can scream out in frustration on the roller coasters at the theme parks. Perfect. Like, that's a massive plus. Like, you can't do that anywhere else. No, and Luna Park's not going to get that same thing in Melbourne. No, no adrenaline and no screaming out at the lack of quality in the side whatsoever. Let's talk about one of the cons, though, and that cons go that con goes by the name of Alex Sexton. Um, if he stays at the Gold Coast, he has to play with Alex Sexton, so... Yeah, I don't want to play with Alex Sexton. I don't want to play with Sean Lemons either, though. I think you're going to get used to hearing a few of these names over the course of this uh, pros and cons list. Um, the second pro is that, you know, Gold Coast have some fantastic beaches. And should he stay at the Gold Coast, then he can burn away any self-respect he has for himself at the beautiful Gold Coast beaches. Yeah. Well, I mean, he could kick some goals in the surf. That'll be the only place he kicks goals. Yeah. My second con is that, you know, he has to keep playing with Matt Rosa. <laughs> I'm going to see a really nice trend here, aren't I? 
Um, my final my final pro is one um, I'm pretty excited about, and I'm sure Tom would be too, and that is the unlimited access to various drugs to dull the pain. <laughs> Um, you live on the Gold Coast, you'll you'll never feel pain ever again. In saying that, you'll probably never feel anything ever again, but... <laughs> no. And uh, the final con is um, also has a name, and his name is Stephen May. Uh, Stephen May's an excellent football player, I'm not having a go at that, but um, Stephen May decides that um, getting suspended is just a regular part of his season. And um, as the leader of the football side, co-leader, aside from Tom Lynch, probably not the greatest idea. What I'm going to put that out there. You've got to lead by example, Alex. <laughs> None of those Gold Coast players seem like they want to play footy. So <laughs> Stephen May's going, you know what? I don't want to play either. I'm just going to do it in a completely different way. I'm going to show them how not to play footy the right way. Yeah, exactly. If anything, it's a great educational experience. And if there's anything that Gold Coast is going to get out of this, it's definitely improvement. So anyway, there's <laughs> there's my list, pros and cons of whether or not Tom Lynch should stay at the Gold Coast. Um, and I mean the Gold Coast in general, not just the football club. And, you know, he can weigh those up and get back to us on whether or not he wants to stay. Because I'm sure this will be the most important factor in whether or not he leaves the Gold Coast. Well, it would be great if he responded to us because then we could have some scoops, in some fact, genuine scoops. <laughs> in fact, next week, you never know, we might have an interview with Gold Coast player Tom Lynch. Yeah, and totally not Adelaide player Tom Lynch. And definitely not one of us doing an impression of Tom Lynch. What's your stat for the weekend? <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> um, so on the weekend, obviously, Richmond played Collingwood, and it was very... There was a great contrast between the two sides in terms of how they go about their footy. So you look at Collingwood and they they played very well, right? But they had a lot of their midfield was very top heavy in terms of there was a lot of people getting a lot of disposals. For instance, Steel Sidebottom had 38, Pendlebury had 37. Um, and then there was a few others that got over 30. Whereas you look at Richmond, right? And on the weekend, their top disposal getter was 22 disposals. Shane Edwards. Yep. Well, there was actually a few that got 22. So Shane Edwards and Brandon Ellis were our two top disposal getters. Not massive names by anything. I really rate Shane Edwards. Um, But, like, that's 16 less than the top player for the Magpies. Then you go to the bottom, and, uh, well, Jeremy Howe's a bit unfair to say because he only played a bit of the day. But Brandon Meyercheck only had eight disposals for the day, whereas you look at the lowest Richmond player was 11. So the difference between the top disposal getter and the lowest for Collingwood was 30, um, and the difference for Richmond was 11, which was actually the second lowest since 2000 in wins and losses and the lowest ever in a win. Wow. That's, that's very impressive. My stat you pulled out there. I do my uh, research from here and there. Um, and that other side that was above Richmond had a difference of 10 was Freo, and that was because their top disposal getter got 16 for the day. <laughs> <laughs> they got thumped by Sydney in 2006, as most sides did, to be fair. But, I mean, that's what Richmond. This is why Richmond's better this year than they are last year, because, I mean, Cochin and Dustin Martin aren't going to win the Brown line. They're probably not going to be as close anymore, but they're going to have a lot more contributors. I wonder how many people on the team will pull Brownlow votes. It will be very interesting to see, and you know, we'll talk about this, how many players will get large amounts of Brownlow votes as well. Um, I want to actually stay on Richmond for my stat, because it's actually quite similar, just a little bit different. So you've talked about one of the reasons why Richmond is you know, one of the best sides in the competition, and that's consistency across the board. My first challenge for you is going to be try and give me a stat that you could point at and say, you know, based on how Richmond are talked about in the media and based on what you see watching Richmond, what makes them better than everyone else? 
Well, I mean, pressure's the first thing that comes to mind. So let's say pressure, right? Let's look at probably the two stats that indicate pressure the most that's widely accessible, tackles and tackles inside 50. What do you think Richmond compare to the rest of the competition on those two stats? First and first. The average I- tackles... Average tackles won't be as high, actually, but tackles inside 50, I'd think they're first. So the average tackles across the competition for a team per match is 65. Richmond average 61 a match, four less than average each match, right? Tackles inside 50, the average over the course of the season is 11. Richmond are only one above that at 12. So Richmond's famed pressure that makes them so terrifying, not actually that different from the rest of the competition. Give me another one. What else have you got? Well, can we go with turnovers then or intercept marks? Intercept possessions is one of only two stats, right, that Richmond are even slightly better sorry, even more than slightly better than the rest of the competition at. They average 11 more intercept possessions than the average, and even then they are just better than average. They're not, you know, God's gift to anyone. The only other stat that they really specialize in is inside 50s. They average 59 a match, which is only six more than the competition average of 53 a match. Now, the rest of the stats for them, they are at average or if not lower it's actually incredible. If you look at their stats, they average less disposals than the rest of the competition. Their scoring accuracy is the same. Efficiency inside 50 is the same. Contested possessions, clearances, rebound 50s, turnovers. They actually average more turnovers than most of the competition. Um, marks, contested marks. They average significantly less hitouts. Richmond are, by all accounts, a very average side. And yet, if you take all of that out... I'm going to give you two stats where Richmond are ranked second and first in the competition, which show why are they the best side in the competition. And they might come as a little bit of a surprise to you. Richmond are second in the competition for points scored and first in the competition for points conceded. So when it comes down to it, you can have all of the stats you want, but the only one that counts and that what makes Richmond the best side is that they score the most and they don't concede the most. I would love to see, obviously it's probably too hard to get the stat, but I'd love to see pressure acts. There's a difference between tackles and actual pressure acts because I'd say Richmond don't get as many opportunities to get tackles because they turn the ball over very quickly. They're very efficient in the way they do that, but they pressure all the time. And I'd love to see that because they are the best pressure side in the competition. I, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I am just find it very interesting how we can have all of these obsession with stats. And, you know, we talk about it this week. And yet the best side in the competition comfortably isn't reflected in almost any of the stats, which is I, I personally find very interesting. The one excuse that you'd have really for tackles is that, you know, if a side has a lot of the, a lot of the ball and a lot of disposals, then therefore they can't tackle as much. Richmond averaged less than the competition average for disposals. Yeah. And yet no. they also averaged less than the competition average for tackles. So the two things that you'd really argue when you're a game of football, having the ball and then being good when you don't have the ball, Richmond don't do. So what makes them so incredible? I'd love to hear if anybody has any ideas, you know, reach out. Well, I mean, it's they're just I think they're the most organized team in the league and they they've been playing together for a few years now and they understand what each player has to do. So they don't have to, for say, do as much to score because they understand each other. That back six is just amazing it's the best back six in the competition like i i'm pretty confident in that um they just understand each other so well and they repel very well and they allow the small forwards to do what they do and i heard an interesting comment on the weekend because when richmond get out on the break 
they're the best team in the competition, not just because of the handballs, because we're the best probably fought handballing team in the competition, but people believe in each other. And if you believe your teammates aren't going to turn it over on the break, you're more likely to push harder. Because, I mean, if you push hard and then it gets turned over, it just goes back the other way for a goal. But they have belief in each other that, you know, you won't stuff up and they just keep moving the ball forward. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Once you start believing in each other, then it's more likely to actually start working. I think they're a fascinating side. Um, Some of the more impressive sides that we've seen over the last 10 years, um, you know, Hawthorne, Geelong, Sydney, they have had dominance that we've been able to map out and see, well, this explains it. This is one of the first sides in a while that doesn't. I find them very interesting. Um, So, you know, we'll keep looking over it in the future and see what happens. But right now, you have a joke for us. Yep. Now we're going to move away from Richmond as much as it breaks my heart. I've been confused this week, Alex. Everyone has been blaming the AFL for not having good enough lights installed at um, Ballarat. And they've even attacked the AFL for then hosting a twilight match there with these subpar lights. Well, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to do something on behalf of AFL by dummies. I'm going to thank the AFL because I didn't want to watch that game. And they made that very, very possible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cheers to you guys, like Cheerios there, because, I mean, who really wanted to watch that game? Not me. But it was interesting because uh, Port Adelaide arguably played better in the low light. Um, maybe that has something to do with their team mascot. I don't know. I haven't figured that one out yet. Anyways, the conditions were so bad in Ballarat that just as the ball was bounced, it hit two degrees. Wow. <laughs> I thought like it was this... hailing an hour before the match. Yeah. So it hit two degrees, which is uh, pretty warm, you know, yeah. nice and toasty. But it's probably as a result of that, no surprise, that only 6,450 people attended at Mars Stadium. Given that this week they found a lake on Mars, I could argue that the conditions there were more suitable for human life than they were in Ballarat. And... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it got so miserable that they actually had a microwave on the bench at some point. I don't know if you saw this. It was I like did. for heat packs. But what a perfect visual metaphor this was for the game. Because left to their own environment, the game was cold and not easily consumed by the viewer. But with a little bit of heat, we could actually give some life to the product. Except that we couldn't heat the centre of the pie, Alex. I tried my <laughs> hardest to heat the whole pie up, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't heat the centre of the pie. <laughs> I tried, Alex. I tried my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you are. <laughs> anyway, that spiel probably had more emotion than the entire Bulldog squad since the 2016 <laughs> Grand Final. And uh, that was my joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Do you know, this? the most disappointing part of this game is this came directly after the Richmond Collingwood game and that kind of said to me, look, we don't need to change the rules. And then this game went, no, yeah, we, we definitely need yeah, to change do. the rules. And speaking about that, we have our discussion point for this week and that is, should we bring any... Ru- in any rule changes, and if we do, what's one rule change we would suggest? Now, Alex, do you want to go first? I considered a few options when looking at rule changes. Um, firstly, my, my main priority was to find a way to St Kilda to win a premiership as a result of these rule changes. So I considered, um, one of the first rules I considered was not allowing the ball to move at right angles in the last two minutes of a grand final in which the score is less than five <laughs> points. Um then, then, then the next rule I considered was maybe maybe we just don't have any other teams in the competition aside from St Kilda. That way we win the Premiership every year by default. 
That would get a little hollow after a while, wouldn't it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> then I considered that um, even if we were to have a drawn grand final, then just the premiership would go to the team that hadn't won the grand final in the longest <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> As you can see, most of my most of my rule changes went down a specific vein. But then I thought, no, for the good of the competition, we need to actually come up with some decent rules. And I also watched the Western Bulldogs port game in the weekend. And you know, this will sound controversial, but I I believe that we need to have starting positions at stoppages. I do not enjoy watching football anywhere anywhere near as much as I did in the past. And when you watch the best of football, it's an amazing game to watch. And we are missing out so much through these gluggy, just like terrible contested games that are just rolling malls that we are missing out on all of the best things in footy. So my pitch to you is the TAC level, 3-3. So each team must have three forwards and three defenders starting in the 50s for all stoppages. Um, And I know there's a lot of questions about how would that actually be enforced and, you know, I understand that. I think the easiest answer for now probably is the team with the last player back in there is penalised and a free kick from wherever the play is. But I think these things would just happen so quickly and we just need to open the game up because when I go to a footy game or when I turn it on a TV, I tune in to watch, you know, Chris Judd burst from a pack or Patrick Dangerfield or even Tom Hawkins one-on-one. Like, those are the things I, I tune in for. I don't really tune in to see... Tom Mitchell tackled eight times in the space of five minutes um, just because he's the only player that can get the ball and because he's the only player fast enough to actually work out where it is. And I'm just I'm just kind of done with it. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to switch off footy if this means that this isn't going to happen. But giving me the choice, if I was the one with the power, I, I'd be gone three and three. That would be my choice. That's very interesting. We haven't actually talked about it a lot on this show, but the more it's brought up to me, the more I do not like the state of the game right now. And I don't get me wrong, it's not, you know, it's just footy. It's not, you know, the war in Afghanistan. We don't need to look too hard into it. But um, does it really hurt that much if we change it? I mean, I'm more than willing to try some things at TAC Cup level and see how that goes. Tell you what, if they played a few TAC Cup games with that, I'd watch just out of interest to see how it is. My problem with this all is it's very hard for me to have a fair opinion because obviously when the game was you called it better um 10 years ago sort of thing uh, my team was trash and i didn't have such an interest in football that i analyzed it forensically whereas i do these days and but my team's the best team in the competition so it's very hard for me to have an opinion on this from that point of view because i enjoy watch i enjoy the way richmond play and i think obviously most people do because they're pretty. They're not just like top of the ladder because they just win. They they win excitingly. I think. Um, and I think that's probably part of the reason is I, I think your example of Richmond Collingwood in comparison to Western Bulldogs Port Adelaide is perfect, because the game is like not toxic. It can still produce good games, and the Richmond Collingwood game, without being that close, was fantastic. It was great to watch. It was everything you wanted in football, but it was also first v third. And the worry for me, as a, as a fan of the side that is nowhere near that standard of the competition right now, take a game like Western Bulldogs Port Adelaide, which wasn't even like, you know, 17th versus 15th or something. This was Port Adelaide a fourth or something. The Western Bulldogs were like 14th. Yep. Like this should not have been, you know, complete dire circumstances. This is just average, really. Oh, no, I, I, 
argue I'd rather watch 15th v 17th than 4th v 14th. Those are the big worry games for me when a good side plays a terrible side. My point being is that at least if it had been, if, at least if Port Adelaide had put on a clinic, if they'd been fantastic and blown them apart, I'd rather have watched that than what we got. Okay, but that was more because of the conditions, I feel. Like, Port Adelaide isn't the cleaner side in the competition, but, I mean, you try playing in that those conditions that I just explained. I think you. I think wet weather footy, when there aren't massive numbers around the footy, is actually great. It's, it's, it's really good to watch because it is so fast and slippery. But when you have 15 players around the footy, you can't move the ball. So wet weather footy loses all of its interest. So, I mean, look, that's where I'm at. I'd be curious to see what what happens from now. I don't think we'll be getting any serious change. From what I've heard on the competition committee, it seems like it'll be minor changes. Well, I mean, they were talking about it for being next year. Yeah, They're going to implement changes, but I'd like to see them trial out zones. I'm not a fan, though. Just personally, I'm not a fan. Uh, yeah, I don't think like zones in terms of like goal attack or something where you know players well, can only go and spin areas. Three people have to be in the Ford fifty. Four stoppages. Yeah, that's that's zones, Alex. I think it's an indirect way of having a zone without actually meaning that players can't go in and out of areas. But it's no different than it's no different than having a centre square. Like we already have zones as it is in the same form of the centre square. You know, they're only allowed to have. Ruckman and three players from each side allowed inside the centre square. I mean, then by that logic, we already have zones. I'm not saying at all moments no players allowed to go inside the goal square. Like, that would be a genuine zone or only two players are allowed inside 50. I just think we need to clear play- players away from the ball and give players the opportunity to move the ball better out of stoppages. Because the stoppages are the problem. Fair. Well said. Let us know what you think, I guess. My rule change uh, is going to be a little... Less serious? No, the AFL for a long time has been wanting to be more competitive, right? They want it, you know, like I said, more competitive. And one of the easiest ways you can make something more competitive is to have more teams compete. So they've done that with (laughs) GWS and Gold Coast. Yeah. But I think they've been thinking about it the wrong way. Now, the MCG is just about a circle, right? Just about, sure. It's almost as much as a circle so that you could have two goals on set and wing and you could have two extra teams on the field. <laughs> now, yeah. they're trying with AFLX having 10 people on a field. So 10 people on a field obviously works. So you just have 10 people from each team. You have four teams on the field, four teams on grand final day, Alex. Imagine the crowd base in that. It would be so competitive. Is this Is it, does this not solve the problem? You're literally having more teams compete in the grand final. I don't see how you can argue against that, Alex. Is there still only one footy? There's still only one footy. And four teams. And there's four teams. And think of all the tactics. retaining possession? Think think of all the tactics, right? Yeah. Because how many people do you put in defence for each goal? (laughs) If one team's winning by, like, 50 points, does that mean you don't guard the goal of the team that's losing by 50 points? I think if there were two footies, it'd actually be really fascinating. My worry with one footy is that um, if, let's say you take a mark, right, or you get a free kick, um, you have nine other players in your team. <laughs> there are 30 opposition <laughs> players that are able to then mark up those nine players. Your ability to retain possession goes from low to zero. <laughs> yeah. One would say it's quite competitive to get the ball. <laughs> so... 
let's say we were to introduce this competition, you know, we get more teams. I have an idea of some of the places that we could have teams for. I mean, we already talked about Ballarat. I mean, wouldn't you like to have a Warner Ball to have a side? Yeah. Tasmania wouldn't get one, no, by the no, way. Obviously not. It's AFL tradition. No. Um, I was thinking, like, maybe even... Broom? Broom? Yeah, that's, I was actually going <laughs> to say Broom. Uh, um, Cairns would be great. Well, the next one I was thinking is, like, you could even just put one in Europe. <laughs> I mean, it'd be, just it'd be forget a about trip. Forget Six about China. Break. Yeah, <laughs> fly three teams out to Europe. See, it's funny because you went, you went big. You thought Europe. I was thinking more like Waka Waka. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's interesting because they've got a Mars Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let the Martians have a team. <laughs> yeah. We've already given up at this point. We're, we're being inclusive. That's the thing that AFL lacks: inclusivity and competitiveness. <laughs> And I'm trying to fix both of them, Alex. I'm trying my hardest, and I don't think the AFL's going about this the right way. I think, in fact, probably the best can- candidate would be the obscure island nation of Palau. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we were to give them a side... Now, admittedly, their entire nation would probably constitute an AFL side, but if we were to give them a side, it would really put them on the map, not... The world map, just on the AFL map. On the AFL map, yeah. which is basically the world map, And right? I don't think they even have an airport, so it might make getting out there more difficult for the away games. Row, but... row, row your boat. <laughs> uh, and now it's time for his world-famous segment. This is Lachlan Russ's Punching Down. This is Punching Down. Patrick Cripps, you are an absolute star. You are the heart of the team. And the leg. And um, and maybe the appendix, but you never know with those ones, do you, Alex? But you're a complete idiot! Why would you sign on with those hapless hooligans? They've done nothing for you except literally just jump on your shoulders. I guess in other news, it's Carlton became the first ever club to re-sign their whole team in one whole day. Now, Riley Beveridge. No, not Luke Beveridge. Riley Beveridge. I hadn't heard of you before today. For those who don't know, he's a journalist. So every week the AFL do their burning question segment where they bring on like two contestants, we'll call them, and they deliver a question to both of them and they both take different sides. So the question this week was, uh, is Richmond's certainties to go back to back? Riley got the easy side of no. Because of bloody course they aren't certainties. Like, my first argument would have been, this time last year, Richmond was barely hanging on to top four after getting taught a lesson by Geelong. But no, 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 no. You wouldn't use that sort of reason, right? No, your reason was, at the G, West Coast probably looked more convincing against Collingwood than Richmond did. Or even better, if Richmond slip up at the G. Because Richmond often loses at the MCG, don't they, Alex? They lose there all the bloody time. So these ridiculous and ludicrous opinions got me intrigued. So I did some research on some of your past articles for more of your opinions, but I seemed to hit a roadblock. All of your articles were objective, and then I figured out why. Because no one bloody cares about your opinion! (laughs) Your opinion is bogus! If you're going to come out with ifs and buts, then I don't want to hear it! That was punching down. <laughs> Did you actually go over his career? Yes. I went, I, I genuinely went through like 50 articles of his. And he's never done one opinion piece? No. Nah, it's all objective. I am like so with you on this one. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> In that debate, you've got one side of the argument which is 
Richmond aren't going to win, which is the nice easy side. The other side is certainty. You have to guarantee everything. <laughs> You're literally saying 100% and you get the side where you can just say, well, you know, they're not certainties. They are 99.99% chance going to win, but they're not certainties. And that's what you come up with? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess like the other beverage in the game, you're irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we just throw fists everywhere this week. <laughs> Left, right and centre. We'll see who we can clock. <sighs> oh, I reckon um, we're going to make a strong case for the most controversial AFL show. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to make many friends, are we? <laughs> In like a year, I'll be like, oh, I want to interview Riley Beveridge. And he's going to be like, no. <laughs> I listened to you a year ago. I'm not a particularly antagonistic person. I usually try and make friends, but um, you've done a good job of just making everyone hate us. <laughs> That's assuming everyone listens. Oh, they don't, but we should definitely tweet this to Riley Beveridge and then see what he says. <laughs> well, he is very active on his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% going to do this now and see what happens. <laughs> Anyway, that's, that was another great segment of Punching Down. It's now time for the news with our award-winning journalist. And by award-winning, he once got a compliment from a passing stranger on the street. It's Tom Cruiser. Well, welcome to AFL by Dummy News. This week, all the hype was toward the Richmond vs Collingwood game. Most said it was like the old days. I disagree. It didn't have racism, mullets and bad umpiring. Oh, wait, let's ask debutant Liam Baker about his thoughts. Moving on. In a shocking turn of events, rent in Sydney has dramatically dropped at the same time it skyrocketed in the Gold Coast. The cause? All the Swan supporters simultaneously booking holidays in September. Seriously, I'm just killing time being here until Webjet has a sale. Continuing with this week in football, inaccuracy doesn't just kill civilians, it kills any hope of a St Kilda winning. Lastly, in a game that nobody, including the coaches, wanted to see, Port exposed Bulldogs as the bad side that they are. You know this game had no hope of being interesting when it was one, played in a country town, and two, the conditions were called icy. Oh, and Carlton won. That's all the time they deserve considering their season. Back to you guys in the studio. Thanks those scoops there, Tom. Felt a little bit rocky roadish there, but we'll see what comes up next week. <laughs> you never know what scoops we'll get. <laughs> I'm expecting a little bit of mint chocolate chip, but first... Our tips are this week. Richmond, Geelong, Friday night. This is going to be an epic, and hopefully we will be there to attend. Yes. I'm obviously going to go Richmond. I seriously rate Geelong, which sounds really strange given that two weeks ago I said they weren't going to make finals. But I agree. Richmond are unstoppable at the MCG. I reckon they'll probably get a solid five-goal win. Hawthorne, Essendon, at another game, hopefully, I will be attending. This is a really interesting game, and another potential elimination final here. Loser goes out, potentially. Which one are you tipping? I'm tipping Essendon. They are unstoppable at the moment. They've uh, they've won eight of their last ten since they lost to Carlton. Remember when I said your season's over? They've had to win eight of ten still to only just keep it alive. But I think they'll keep it alive for one more week here. Hawthorne are a really interesting side for me because I still feel like I don't know how good they are. They're one of the few sides left in the competition where I, I really don't know. Um, they play Essendon and Geelong in the next two weeks and we'll feel like I feel like we'll get a great idea of where they're actually at. I feel like they're a decent side. Even without James Sicily, even without Ben McAvoy, I'm going to tip the Hawks on this one. Fair enough. Uh, Brisbane, North Melbourne in what is a very intriguing clash at the Gabba where Brisbane's played pretty well. They don't win a lot there, but they score well. 
that's the important part. And North Melbourne isn't the highest scoring team in the competition at the moment. So do you think Brisbane can cause a few troubles? It's actually, interestingly, they're going in as equal favourites into this game, um, just due to their good form and good record at home, Brisbane. But I'm backing in North Melbourne. Uh, they were fantastic on the weekend. I watched their game and was very impressed. Um, so I'll back them in to keep their streak going. Yeah, this is the sort of game North Melbourne just clean up, unfortunately, for Brisbane fans. Adelaide, Port Adelaide. Well, I mean, if Adelaide's season wasn't over, it'll be over after this game. See, that's where I'm going to be more than happy to disagree with you. I just have a tiny feeling that Adelaide's not quite done with yet. This season? This season? No, I don't think they're done with yet, but I think they'll be done after this week. I, I think they'll win this week. I think Adelaide are actually not bad right now. Melbourne played really well on the weekend. Like, to say that they were not very good would be a complete disservice to the very good output that Melbourne gave. It was a good game between two good teams and Melbourne was just the better of the teams. Um, That doesn't surprise me. I think Adelaide will win. Well, I can't see this week being any different. Adelaide will play well, but Port Adelaide's just a good side. So Port Adelaide for me. Oh, big clash on Saturday night. Heavyweights. St Kilda versus Bulldogs. Saints. That is all. Bulldogs. Sydney Collingwood, what an intriguing clash. I mean, Sydney doesn't play well at home. Do you think if Collingwood win, and they play very well at uh, the SCG, that they'll end Sydney's season right here, right now? So we've already talked about Hawthorne, Essendon and Adelaide already basically playing an elimination final. This is Sydney's last real shot. If they don't win this game, you'd call them just about cooked. Um, People have already called them cooked this week. A bit premature for me. Yeah, me too. I still think... They're still sitting ninth. They're only percentage outside of the eight. I think if they lose this game, they'll be done though. And I think they will. I really like Collingwood at the moment. Same. I'll Um, be tipping Collingwood. Collingwood can keep um, replacing the injuries at the moment. They've done a great job of it all year. I mean, they played well on the weekend and Sydney do not play well at home. And it's going to be what ruins 2018 and potentially an era for them. So We've had a very interesting Saturday... We're now going to have the complete opposite on Sunday. In I reckon we might have record-breaking margins in this game because let's briefly go over the three games. Carlton GWS, Melbourne Gold Coast, and West Coast Fremantle. I want your tip now. Which one of these three games will have the lowest margin and how much will it be? Uh, The least margin. That's a tough one. Fremantle always get up for the derby. So I'm going to go Freo. I think Freo are atrocious. (laughs) Um, if anyone watched them on the weekend, they were terrible. And West Coast have a point to prove. Losing to North Melbourne last week, Shuey back, Kennedy back. Bet you Kennedy kicks a bag Kennedy this week. won't be back. Oh, he won't be back? He's out a little longer term. Oh, okay. Well, bet, bet you Darling will kick a bag this week. Somebody will. Um, Shuey and Gaff will just have a field day. I reckon West Coast will smash Fremantle. Melbourne Gold Coast? Nah, I just Gold Coast were horrific. Surprisingly enough... I think that the smallest margin will actually come out of Carlton GWS. I reckon they'll only win by about 40 points, the GWS. Not Carlton. Uh, Carlton I have to tip a margin, don't I? Um, Freo are going to lose by 34. And can we both agree that Melbourne are going to beat Gold Coast by over 100 points? Yep. Uh, This Gold Coast side is terrible. It's so bad, it's incredible. Yep. It's fantastic to watch. I love it. I'm the complete opposite on that, but I agree with every other point you've made. And that is the tipping for the week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We're on iTunes and we're on Facebook. And we are also, as of about an hour's time, going to be on Twitter just so I can tweet at Riley Beveridge and get him to listen to the show this week. Yep. So if you want to see some quality online beef start, (laughs) go to Twitter. Um, So from myself, Chuck. My name's Alex Henry. Have a nice day, everyone. Goodbye.